Shabbat Shalom. Welcome back to a, our Miracles of Messiah series. Today our text will be from John chapter 4, verse 46 through 54. Reading from the New Living Translation. And he traveled through Galilee, and he came to Canaan, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a government official in a nearby Capernaum, whose son was very sick. And when he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. And Jesus asked, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? And the official pleaded, Lord, please come before my little boy dies. And then Jesus told him, Go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus had said and started home. And while the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. And he asked them when the boy began to get better. And they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, the fever suddenly disappeared. And the father realized that it was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. And this was the second miraculous sign that Jesus did in Galilee after coming to Judea. Messiah Yeshua had previously been in Galilee where he had turned water into wine according to the scriptures. And many Bible teachers suggest that the mention of Canaan and Jesus' past miracle might suggest that he was going back to build upon the previous work which he had done in Canaan. And if this is in fact true, then it is an excellent pattern for today's ministers to follow, especially those who are called to the ministry or the office of the evangelist. After they visit a small town or city or community and preach the word of God, witness souls being saved and converted, I believe they must do an effective follow-up discipleship program with those new converts. Because discipleship after conversion is a mandatory, is mandatory for growth. Now we are introduced to this noble man and official and not much is known about him. We are not given his name, nor are we given the name of his child. And many suggest that he was probably one of Herod Antipas's court official who was, or maybe he was just a, a relative to the royal Herodian family. But one thing is certain, he was not a Jew, but a Gentile. And scriptures teaches us that Messiah would be a light to the Gentiles according to Isaiah 40, 42, 6. And this official had a need and he came to the person who was able to meet that need and to fulfill that need in its totality. And once again, as with Mary that we have studied, we as believers are given an example of what to do when a need arise. We are to seek the Messiah. In 2 Kings chapter 5, we, we, we're told of another story of an official. And this official who also had a need, Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Assyria, a great and honorable man, a man of valor, according to the scriptures. But there was something with Naaman. Naaman was a leper. And he also had a need. And he, he heard that how he could be healed and how this need could be fulfilled. So Naaman 
went he went to the man of God's house Elijah expecting for Elijah to perform the miracle in some type of way expecting for his miracle in the way that he had preconceived it in his mind only when he got there Elijah did not perform the miracle in the way that Naaman had preconceived it in his mind now it, it, let's let's just study that little portion of scripture for a second in 2 Kings 5, it says, The king of Haram had a great admiration for Naaman, a commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But Naaman, though he was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. And at the time, um, the raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among the captives was a young girl who had been taken, and she was given to Naaman's wife as a maid. And one day the girl said to her mistress, she said, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria, because he would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said, go and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction to you to take to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying gifts of 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. And the letter to the king said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. <laughs> and when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, This man see, sends me a leper to heal. Am I God? Can I give life and take it away? Can I see, you see what he's doing? He's trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes and was in dismay about the message that came to him. He said, why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is only one true prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and he waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a message out with a message, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River and then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and he stalked away. He said, I thought he would certainly come out and meet me. I, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't there rivers in Damascus and Aban and, and Papar better than the rivers of Israel? Why, would, why wouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away and went away in rage, according to the scriptures. But the officers tried to reason with Naaman and say, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, Go wash and you're cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times. And as the man of God had instructed, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Now, here in our text, why did Naaman go to Elisha? And why did this official come to Messiah? How did Naaman know about Elisha or what Elisha could do or that Elisha could help him? Likewise, how did the official know that Messiah would or could help him? Because they heard it.
You see, Romans tells us in Romans 10 verse 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we know that people come to Messiah for all different types of reasons. And when they do come to him, when they did walk to him, and when Messiah walked on earth, they came to him and they expected something from him. Likewise, in our dispensation, in our days, we see people come to Messiah for various things. Notice the official's request, come down and heal my son. How many times are you and I praying and asking Messiah, God, would you just come down and meet my need? What we have failed to realize as a people is that Messiah, all, all he has to do is but speak a word into whatever situation that we're currently going through. And then that situation would change. Things will change when Messiah speaks that word. Naaman wanted, likewise, Naaman wanted Elijah to come down, and, and he was disappointed. He declared, indeed, I said to myself, surely he would come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. And scripture teaches us that Elisha, the servant of God, did no such thing. All he simply said, he says, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be cleansed. At the nobleman's request to come down, Messiah rebukes not only him, but all the listening Galileans who stood there. He says, unless you see wonders and miraculous signs, you will by no means believe Messiah does not and did not want people, anyone to come to him merely because of miracles that he can perform or is able to perform. And how many times you and I have prayed and asked God for a sign from heaven and, and, and Messiah always prayed and asked and we've always asked and Messiah always rebukes anyone who does that. And Johnny tells you that an evil and adulterous generation looks after a sign. But he tells us later on, he says, but I he commands, he said, Blessed are those who are not seen, and yet they have believed. John 20, verse 29. But let us not be too hard on this noble man or on Naaman. His coming to Messiah is proof that he had faith in Messiah's ability. It is proof that he believed what he heard or might have seen Messiah have done. But Messiah wanted to take him to another level of faith. He wanted to teach him about trusting in his word, not just seeing the miracles. We will study this in more details later on in the book, but Messiah waited until Lazarus was actually dead for four years to increase the faith of his disciples Mary and Martha and so to take them to another level of faith and what will Messiah allow to take place in our lives at certain times so that he may take us to another level of faith where his spoken word is enough Messiah told the nobleman, go your way, your son lives. Elisha told Naaman, go and wash, and he protested. Messiah told Mary and Martha that Lazarus would live and rise, and they began to explain astrology to him. But this was not so that the nobleman 
This was not so with him. The scripture says the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. That is faith in action. It is not so much that you and I believe in the word of God, but it's when we begin to walk out that belief in our daily lives. The normal man could have stood there and continued to try his best to convince and persuade Messiah why it would be better for him if he just came to his house and laid his hand on his child and healed his child and do it in the way that he thinks is the best way to do it. But he did no such thing. Instead, according to the scriptures, he took Messiah at his word and he left but the father instead he believed in Messiah took him as his word and he moved on with the instructions we are told that the nobleman encountered some of his own servants along the way as he made his way home they they are bearers of good news the child has been restored they told him he then asked the question of confirmation he told them it was about we say the seventh hour or, or about around between from noon to 1 a.m and, and and this is important if you read in the king james he says around the seventh hour seven is also the number of completion or perfection which could be a reference to the to the the greek term where we get sozo s-o-z-o which means to be made whole to be made well to be healed to be saved not only does this miracle impact the life of the nobleman but his entire household the scripture tells us that his entire household believed in messiah this miracle also demonstrates that messiah that messiah's word can be confirmed and it can be trusted I'll leave you with this final talk this Sabbath. The noble man whose son was dying is healed in Canaan of Galilee. And he came to Messiah in faith, but he left in genuine faith even before the miracle took place, even before he saw the sign and wonder. He believed in Messiah. Unlike the noble man, many today will not believe in God's word unless they first see a showdown of miracle or some demonstration, some demonstrative proof. Despite such unbelief, Messiah still hastens and calls all people to come to him in faith, where he will forgive, heal, carry our burdens, love us endlessly, and take care of us always which in itself is the greatest miracle. So today, may we look to Him, may we glorify Him, may we rest our faith in Him, and know that He is the great physician, the great healer, our God.